Welcome to the Retirement Plan Playbook. I'm Matthew Thiel, a financial advisor with RPA Wealth Management. Joining me as always is Joshua Winterswike. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm pumped. It's really hot outside and I'm ready to do this podcast. Glad I'm inside. Yeah, summer's definitely here. It feels like today's one of the first real hot days of the year. And lastly, joining us on today's podcast, founder of RPA Wealth Management, Brent Pasqua. Brent, what do we have on deck for today's show? Well, hi, everyone. And today's my favorite day of the week. I love podcast day. And today we're going to talk about important ages that you need to know as you start to approach retirement. Yeah, this is a really great episode. I'm looking forward to it. For those of you who are at home, it might be one of those ones where you get out a pad of paper and a pen and take some notes and maybe draw out a timeline. What if they're in the car? Well, that's why I said at home. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, okay. yeah. But it, if you're in the car, you might want to maybe pull off to the side and start <laughs> taking notes. Well, I mean, if they're in traffic, I mean, in California, you can't go very far without, you know, hitting somebody. Yeah, that's you yeah, cannot so, go very fast. So if you're crawling along on the 210, take your, cell, your iPhone out and use the notes app. Yeah, well, that's texting like and driving. I think you can get a ticket for that. I just tell them you're taking notes. You can use the diction where you like just talk into... That's um, true. The notes section. So, like, can you write and drive at the same time? Is like that against the law? Yeah, I think so. Is eating and driving against the law? I've done that before. I hope not. Yeah, I eat and drive every day after work in my car, so I hope not too. I, yeah. Is pork rinds? That yeah. Snack yeah. Is? <laughs> I mean, it's the same. You're on that same <laughs> schedule every day. <laughs> Schedules are good. All right. So our first important age is at age 50, and that's when you could start making catch-up contributions. Josh, tell us about that. Matt, a catch-up contribution is a type of retirement contribution that allows people aged 50 or older to make an additional contribution into their 401k accounts and their IRAs. And with 401k accounts, it's actually a pretty significant increase. It's this year, it's $6,000. So normally you can contribute if you're under the age of 50, $19,000. And if you're over the age of 50 or over, it increases 6000 to $25,000 in 401k contributions. For IRAs, if you have an IRA or Roth IRA, you can also contribute an extra $1,000 that bringing the total contribution instead of being 6,000 to 7,000. And if you have a simple IRA, you're allowed to add an additional 3,000, bringing your total to 16,000 worth of contributions. Yeah, that could be some pretty big tax savings if you're able to sock away essentially $25,000 into your qualified retirement plan. Yeah, and a great way to speed up retirement savings. I think the statistic right now is also under 25% of 401k participants over the age of 50, under 25% is actually taking advantage of that contribution increase, which can be, you know, like we said, a great way to speed up retirement savings. And a lot of employers even match that catch up. So you could be, you know, leaving some additional employer match off of the table for you. I was meeting with a client yesterday who was in his late 50s, and he thought the max contribution that he could make into the 401k plan was only 19000 He wasn't aware of the $6,000 catch-up, and he's missed you know, most of his, the last 10 years or so, not being able to make those contributions. I think sometimes the plans can be a little bit confusing when you log in. Sometimes they have a separate area where you have to enter in your contribution to get the catch-up. Yeah, I had a client last week as well that did not know 
Now they're just barely reaching the age. They're not missing out on it, mm -hmm. but didn't know that he can increase and was actually just really, really excited because he's in a situation where he can take advantage of, of increasing and afford to do so. Yeah, I think it's an important age. Very. The next age is age 55 and age 59 and a half. And at age 55, that's when you could begin penalty-free with retirement withdrawals. And this rule gets a little complex, so Brent and Josh, feel free to jump in if I'm not covering something. But beginning at age 55, you can go to your employer and request a distribution from your qualified retirement plan. That would be a 401k, 403b, or even 457 plan. And you could take a withdrawal of your money and avoid the 10% penalty. You'll still have to pay taxes on that money, but you can withdraw it. If you have an IRA at age 59 and a half, you're allowed to take penalty-free distributions from your account. Now, there's one thing here that's kind of interesting, and this is if you roll your 401k into an IRA, you lose the ability to take your distribution at age 55. Did I explain that correctly? That is right. So we have a couple of clients that are police and firemen that retired at age 55. And you can never be 100% sure if they're actually going to need that money that's in that those retirement plans. So we left the money inside of the plan. Since they were only 55, if we rolled it to the IRA, then they're subject to that 59 and a half rule. We didn't want them to get locked into a 10% penalty if they were going to withdraw it. So we just let the money sit in their deferred comp plan. And we've done it with people who have 401k plans. That way they could uh, take the money if they need it and not hit that 10% penalty. Yeah, that's a really good story because I've, I've had a client, we've worked on clients together that have had that situation where they're below 59 and a half, but over 55. And they didn't know that they could potentially take out money tax-free or if they did roll it over, they didn't know that that would, you know, not allow them to take any money out tax-free. So just really, really important to understand that rule about yeah. your employer plan. Yeah. And I think that's the importance of working with a real fiduciary advisor, an advisor that's legally and ethically going to do what's in your best interest because a lot of advisors or a lot of people out there, if they're just trying to make a commission, you know, they're not going to wait four or five years to roll that money over. They're going to take it right away and tell the client to move it, which could end up hurting the client tremendously in the long run. Have you seen that before? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It happens all the time. People will have the client roll that money right out. They're not going to wait. Yeah. Yeah, that's the benefit of working with a fee-only advisor is they're going to act as a fiduciary, which essentially means they're going to act in your best interest. One tip for people, though, here is if you do separate from service from your employer and you have kind of an outside IRA and you would like to retire early, you could roll that outside IRA back into the 401k plan and be able to take that penalty-free distribution between the age of 55 and 59 and a half. So even if you're thinking, hey, I want to retire early, I have this IRA that has a substantial chunk of change, call it half a million dollars or more, you could roll that into your employer-sponsored retirement plan and still re accomplish retiring early. It just seems like that's a really, really important age and a lot to know through 55 59 and a half. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot that can happen there. Very important time. Our next age is age 62. 
And 62 is interesting because this is when you qualify for Social Security and that you can start taking your benefit, though it will be reduced. So I'm going to toss this one to you, Brent, since you're our Social Security expert. What's happening at 62? So at age 62 is the age where you can first start to begin collecting your Social Security. If you start collecting your Social Security at 62, you will actually only collect 75% of your full retirement age amount. So for example, if let's say your full retirement age amount, the amount that you'd collect at 66 or 67 is $1,000, but you collect at 62, you're really only going to collect $750 a month. You can change that election if you pay it all back in 12 months. But if not, then you're locked into that $750 a month or that amount for the rest of your life. And I think one other important thing with that also is if you're a spouse collecting at 62 based on your prime, the primary earner, your other spouse, then you're actually only going to collect 35% of their benefit versus half. So it is a very important age to know. The other important part about 62 is if you do begin collecting your social security at 62, if you're going to be working, you can only make $17,640. And if you make more than that, then you're going to be penalized for collecting your social security early. You said a couple of really interesting things. Can you go back and explain what you meant when you said you'd have to you could reverse your election decision within 12 months, but you have to how to pay it back. How does that work? So let's say you begin collecting your benefits in January and you've been collecting for nine months and the job calls you back and says, hey, we want you to come back. And you realize that it was a good decision to pay back your social security because then you can allow your social security to start rolling up again at 6.25%. You can pay back all of the benefits that you've received in one lump sum check back to social security. And then it kind of acted like it never happened. When you go to retire five years from now, then you can start your benefits and you'll get that higher benefit amount now for the rest of your life. And it could be beneficial for someone, like you said, who goes back to work, elects and goes back to work as well, expects to make over, you said it was $17,640. Right. So instead of accruing a penalty, they could pay back their benefits and then let it roll up essentially. Yeah. I'm sure it's not easy to write a $18,000 <laughs> check back to social security. No, I wouldn't want to write them any more money than no. we already take out of our paychecks. No, but you know, if it's in your best interest long-term then... Write that check back. What's the penalty if you go over the $17,640 income? You'll be penalized $1 for every $2 that you're receiving from Social Security. It really makes it not worth collecting your Social Security because you're getting penalized on half it. So right. it's a 50% penalty. Yep. You're getting 2000 You're now really only getting 1000 Yeah. And at that point, why are you even collecting? And then I guess you would still have to think about taxes. Right with the rest of your income that's coming in on yeah. top of that. Yeah, it's an important age, and a lot of people want or think about starting to retire at 62. Yeah, that that's kind of the age where they start to think about it. But I, I feel like age 65 is a really big age, and I feel like most, age. Of, um, most Americans think they're going to retire at age 65 for some reason. But it, it's really kind of, a, a, in a way, a meaningless age because all it does is it's your start for, for Medicare. Is that correct, Josh? What happens at 65? Yeah, so at 65, Medicare, that's a start date for Medicare, and your initial enrollment period starts for Medicare's Part A and B. And this is also potentially when you can enroll in the prescription Part D as well. 
So once you turn to 65, you're eligible for Medicare and the supplement plans. Most people don't need a reminder for this is 12 months before your 65th birthday, your mailbox becomes overloaded with Medicare offers. And I'm sure a lot of other people are reaching out to you because uh, there are services to help you enroll for Medicare and all of that stuff. But just a very important date because there is a penalty if you don't enroll in Part B, you know, within a certain time frame. So uh, very, very important. Healthcare is, you know, obviously needed here in America. You want to be enrolled. Um, you want to make sure you have the right coverage. So really that process, even before your 65th birthday, really begins probably six months before that because your initial enrollment period, you want it to be three months before your 65th birthday. So not to make that too confusing, but you know, before your 65th birthday, you definitely want to be researching all of the Medicare rules, enrollments, the plans. So you're very well prepared to be covered once you hit that, that important date. Yeah. And if you're not collecting your social security and you start your Medicare at 65, then essentially you're going to be paying for your Medicare quarterly on a quarterly basis. You'll be writing your check for Medicare. And I think that's important to know also. And I think they go hand in hand because a lot of people think also, you know, I'm going to collect my Social Security, forget about the Medicare costs, and they thought they were going to get, you know, $2,000, and after now taxes and Medicare, their income comes down a little bit. So just important to plan for. Yeah, a lot of people think that they should retire at 65, but, I mean, yes, it's a big time for medical insurance, but it's not so big for Social Security. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's a great pivot to our next age, which is actually two different ages. And I think, Brent, you'll do a great job of explaining why. But these two ages are age 66 and age 67, which is when we learn a new word called full retirement age. Brent, what does that mean? What's happening then? Well, full retirement age is the age in which you can start collecting 100% of your monthly benefit from Social Security. If you were born from 1943 to 1954, full retirement age is 66. And if you're born from 1955 to 1959, then your full retirement age is 66 with an increasing amount of months. So if you're born in 1955, your full retirement age is 66 in two months. And if you're born in 1956, your full retirement age is 66 in four months. And it just kind of increases from there. But if you were born from 1960 or later, then full retirement age for you is 67. You will not have reduced monthly benefits if you collect at your full retirement age. That's when you're collecting the amount that you're owed from Social Security on a monthly basis. You lock in that amount. And I think what is actually key to that is if you start collecting Social Security at full retirement age, you can work and make as much money as you want and be collecting your Social Security benefit and you won't be penalized. Yeah, that's a important age, obviously, then if you're planning to continue to work and when you're going to start collecting. We see a lot of clients, or I've seen a lot of clients that will collect at full retirement age to pay off debt or to fund you know, their vacations before 70 and then continue to work. So just important to know that when you can earn more than that uh, $17,640 is that full retirement age. So we better know when that that age is. Yeah. And I think they, it's still important to know, you know, if you're going to continue to work, it does make a ton of sense to continue to delay collecting your social security because you get that 8% increase. But if you do need to, and you're going to work, here's a good time to have in mind because you're allowed to keep working and collect that benefit. 
Where can the listeners find their full retirement age at? If they log into ssa.gov, they can then go on to the Social Security website. They'll be able to find out their full retirement age. And then the full retirement age amount, how did they come up with that number? It's based on your average index monthly earnings based off your 35 working years. So there's a lot of facts on there that will be able to help you determine what the amount is that you're going to receive, but it will be right on there in bold letters. So, you know, Matt, do you recommend people looking that up? I I feel like some people are surprised when we tell them their full retirement age, if they didn't already know. Yeah. I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't want to know how much income you're going to get from social security. I would probably start looking at it at some time in my forties to help me plan better. I mean, anything before 40, it's kind of pointless. You're probably still trying to work out your career, but after 40, you should check every, you know, five years or so. And then I know it's actually a big way to find out if your identity has actually been stolen Mm. to make sure that it's actually linked with your correct social security number. I mean, I'm under 40 and I know what mine is. Well, you're a financial planner. I'd hope you know what yours is. Yeah. I got, I got mine like five years. No, I think it was like three years ago. I still have it in my drawer. You need to bring it into the office. We want to check no, it out. No, I have it in the office. I'm, oh, sa- I'm saving it. Oh, very nice. <laughs> you we, should frame it. Yeah, I'll just frame it, put it up on my Definitely wall. being the social security expert in the office. Like we, we want that framed up in your office. Yeah, I should put it up. Have you ran yourself a social security maximization report? Oh, yeah. I've ran it through the software. I, I, I'm always trying to figure out what I need to do to get the max benefit from social security. I think it's important. I mean, you, if you know, then at least you're going to get the highest fixed income. I always appreciate like the practice, what you preach. Yeah. So that that's awesome to know that you ran your social security report for yourself. Yeah, you got to know what in, income limits you need to hit so that you get the maximum amount from social security. And it's funny because you ran it. Matt, have you ran it for yourself? No, I haven't. And you look a little older than Brent, so... Yeah, I'm going to be retiring in a few years, most likely. (laughs) People are probably thinking Social Security is probably not going to be around when you guys are that age, but that's another debate. I I think it will be. We'll just be collecting at 75. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We'll be old dinosaurs. I don't even know if I'm going to make it to 75. Jeez. (laughs) Uh, Dude, they're going to attach like robot limbs to you and stuff. You'll be half robot, but you'll you'll still be there. I hope so. I just better plan for all of that Medicare or medical costs. Yeah. All right. So moving on, let's get into our 70s now. Nothing really interesting happens between 68 and 69 but at age 70 that's when your social security benefit stops increasing so it makes literally zero sense not to collect social security on your 70th birthday if you haven't already i believe only two percent of people actually collect social security at age 70 is that correct yeah that's correct so you will get your full benefit amount or essentially with the eight percent increases at age 70 and funny story, we were hosting a social security workshop one time and there was a guy there who was 74 who had yet to collect and he missed out on four years of checks just because he didn't want to fill out the paperwork. He said he didn't need the money. Yeah, I remember that. So some free money that he left on the table. So even if you are extremely wealthy and well off, take the money, give to charity. You'll, you'll probably do a better job of distributing it than the government would. Yeah, take your check. But you've been putting into it for so many years, it's yours. And then you get to do with it what you want. Yeah. Right. Moving on, five months later, it's 70 and a half. Joshua, what's happening? 70 and a half. So um, we get a lot of questions on the 70 and a half and why that age is important. So once you turn age 70 and a half, you must take a mandatory withdrawal from your tax deferred accounts. So give you an example of that, like your 401ks, your your IRAs. 
and Roth IRAs are exempt, so we get that question a lot too and why this is important. But these withdrawals are referred to as your required minimum distribution or RMDs. And the withdrawals can count as incomes and you will be taxed on the withdrawals. So if you fail to take an RMD, you'll be penalized 50% of, of your distribution should have been. It is one of the harshest penalties the IRS has. I think there's another fiduciary alert here, right, Matthew? There is, um, and this is something you'll probably really only get if you're working with a fee-only advisor, but there's a small percentage of the population who, you know, wants to work past the age of 70 and a half, mm-hmm. and you can actually avoid the RMD if you don't own the company or your spouse owns the company, and the ownership level is 5%, so if, if you or your spouse owns 5%, you can't get get away from the RMD. But if you're just an employee at a corporation and you want to work past 70 and a half, you could avoid the RMD by keeping all of your money in the employer's qualified plan. Right. So that means that if you're still working at the company and you have your 401k there, if you leave it in the 401k, not roll it over to the IRA, then you don't have to take the requirement of distribution, which means, you know, if you were still working and it was in the IRA, and you took the distribution. Now you got your work income plus your distribution income, and now you're paying more in taxes, also. Yeah, totally. I mean, you could essentially be, you know, 75 years old and not taking an RMD if you're still working. Yeah, I mean, and that's good for you long term because your money is able to keep compounding and growing. And it's also good for the next generation that might be inheriting that money because that money's been able to continue to grow and compound, also. Right, because it compounds tax free. Do you think a lot of either people know that or advisors don't know that? Because we don't see a lot of other advisors allowing their clients who are still working to keep their money in the employer plan. They want to get that money out pretty quickly, it seems like. In my opinion, I would say that most advisors probably don't know this rule. I could be wrong, but I believe I learned this when I was going through the CFP program. Yeah. As one of those kind of like stop signs right. that you hit. Josh, is that when you learned this? Yeah, or? that's when I really became aware of, of that role and, and how it works for clients. And also just talking about fiduciaries and rolling that money out, it could really cause a lot of problems tax-wise for clients sure. who are still working. And, right. and it just makes a lot of sense potentially to leave it in the employer plan. There was a few other things too that I just kind of had taken notes about this age, but a couple of important things that I've had a lot of questions about is that the RMD can actually be taken as a lump sum throughout the year. Right. It can be taken as a monthly payment or quarterly payment. So just clients knowing that they can take the distribution in different ways. And then also the money can be reinvested. So we get a lot of questions about, you know, if I don't need my RMD, what are those options? One of the options is to just reinvest the money. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to spend it. Um, is there anything else that you guys want to add to kind of the distribution and the questions about taking that money? Yeah. If you're extremely well off, you don't need it. Another option is to give it to a charity of your choice. Right. That's a great one. Uh, you avoid actually the tax there Sure. on it when you give to charity. You can um, reduce some Medicare cost also by doing that. Oh yeah, totally. Because of means testing. Yep. And it can even be partial your RMD, right? Like you don't have to donate all of it, but it can be even a portion. So if your RMD is $10,000 and you donate five, you can still potentially cut down on the taxes. Yeah. We have quite a few clients that are giving their required minimum distributions to charity and it helps them tax wise also. And what's better than that? Helping to a great cause. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right. Anything else to add? All right. Well, we've done a a great job really walking the listeners through age 50 to essentially 70 and a half. And it leaves kind of a a really open-ended question. And I know the answer is it depends, but I'm curious what both of your answers would be. What do you think the best age for someone to retire is, Joshua? It depends, Matt. <laughs> just, just, just like you said, after going through the dates, I, I mean, I always go back and forth with retirement dates and kind of when is a good time. And I know a lot of people think 65, but 65 is, a, to me, stands out in my head because then the medical expense worry kind of goes away, right? Medi- you can enroll in Medicare. When you're retiring prior to that, you have a lot of issues. But I, to me, I'm very big on it that it depends. We can plan for any retirement date. You know, we just have to be very mindful of all of the different ages and, and what to plan for. So if you have the right plan, I think, you know, personally, you get to pick that ideal retirement age. But 65 kind of just sticks out of my mind because then the medical cost is kind of fixed and, and taken care of. Yeah, I think the longer that you work, the better, right? Because you're not going to be taking distributions at an earlier age. So it does help in a sense of we don't know how long we're going to live and we want to make sure our money lasts. But then there's the other side of it. If you know your job's rough and it's tough and you're getting worn down and you know you can live within your means to retire early and you're not going to put a big strain on your distributions, I mean, the possibility to retire early is there. But retiring later provides a lot of benefits. You delay your Social Security, you got more money, get your Medicare started. You take distributions at that later age, you allow your money to compound and grow more. And it allows you to just possibly live a better lifestyle if that's what your key goal is. But everybody's goals we know are different. What I do think is key, though, is as we've already talked about today, there's a lot of rules here. And there's a lot of rules that can impact you tax-wise, investment-wise, money-wise, it can impact your entire retirement. If you work with a fee-only advisor or CFPs, I mean, the rules are there. An advisor should know these rules and they should be doing what's in the client's best interest, putting the rules on the table when talking about your goals. When our fireman retire, uh, clients retired, we didn't say, hey, you're 55, so let's roll over your money right away. We knew it made sense for them to leave it in those plans because they may need that money. Yeah, those public service employees, they can retire early. Yes. And that's because they're they're getting that big state pension that's close to what they're making working anyways. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't become a fireman. Yeah, I mean, 55 retirement sounds great. That sounds outstanding. <laughs> but to answer the question, for me, if you're a, a public employee and you're going to get a pension that is very close to your current working income, then you could probably retire anytime after 55 once that pension benefit grows large enough but for everybody else you're going to want to probably have work through the ages of 60 to at least 65 right because like josh was saying you're going to want those healthcare costs covered yeah and even if you get sick of working you could still kind of quit the full-time nine-to-five grind but go get a part-time job do something you love doing there's no reason to not work yeah we see that with a lot of clients yeah absolutely and like I think maybe another important date is you add fifty at fifty five. You're really thinking about work life for the next ten years, and do you follow that passion project, or what do you want to do part time at sixty, and and kind of plan for that instead of being forced in that situation. I feel like most people have that passion project, right? Like something you could do on a part time basis, make money, and you'd love doing it. Yeah, and then at that point, you have so much experience, you know, 
in whatever field you were in or you know if you're our part-time you could even maybe go back to school and, right. and continue education if that was your passion as well sure. or something that you were really good about but I, I just think if you're always if you carefully plan it out you know the rules you know the ages you know the timelines then you can successfully live the life you want to live in these next chapters of life yeah i agree totally and you know one one thing we say i know we have quite a few clients who are doctors engineers public service employees and, and what they might do is quit the full-time stop going in five days a week become either kind of consultants or per diem employees and maybe just work you know two three days a week sure make half of what they're making which is still great income absolutely and planning will give you that clarity to be able to do that yeah you know, the earlier you start you start doing that great planning point. for it absolutely josh what's our kind of special topic for today well, I talked about it being hot now. I mean, we're kind of in the middle of summer, and I know that me, Matt, and Brent always talk about our, our summer vacation plan. So I was just curious to uh, know what you guys, I know, know it's important to you to take that summer vacation, and you guys really enjoy it. Wanted to know what you guys have on the, on the plans uh, for the summer. Are you guys ready for a, a break for me for a week? Yes. Matthew? Yeah. Uh, you know what, though? I, I say that just to, to make you smile, but yeah, you, you're you smile. going to be missed. And I'm sure I'll uh, be texting you while you're gone, even though I probably shouldn't. But uh, Actually, Brent, before you answer uh, about your summer vacation plans, let's take an over-under on the amount of times Brent texts us or calls us about work-related items. Yeah, I'm just a big service guy. I want to make sure everything is taken care of when I'm gone. And if client reaches out or if there's something going on, I always want to make sure it gets do you, handled. Do so. you think it's a little bit though, like he misses us? So oh, it's yeah. like another way to no, interact. It's not with about us. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know a lot of our clients are listeners, so they'll be glad to know that you're taking breaks from your vacation to help them out. Yeah, I gotta make sure they're taken care of. Where are you going? So we're gonna go to Hawaii. We've been to Maui for the last couple of years. Uh, this will be our third year going there, and. Very different than you, Matt. You're jumping around on different vacation destinations. But for us, we're going to the same place, same area for three years in a row. And the reason why is because I am traveling with a three-year-old and a five-year-old. We kind of have our routine now for this vacation. We have everything lined up the way that we like it. And we've learned from the last couple of times that we went. So we are excited to go. We are excited to take a break. But we're a little bit less nervous maybe traveling this time because we've been there twice already. And so it makes it a little bit easy to plan for, but we are excited to head over and just relax and, and sit by the pool for a while. Yeah. I mean, we saw your kids in here the other day and they're really excited about the trip. So that's really cool to see them enthusiastic about it. Yeah. They can't stop talking about it. every day. They're asking how many more days and is today the day. And they're just very excited to go. That's which, awesome. Which makes me happy. Yeah, I agree. They came in here saying we're going to Hawaii. That was like one of the first things that uh, they had mentioned. Are you guys more spending all your time on the beach or at the pool they like the pool they don't like the beach right now they said they they're i think they're scared of the fish still and then they, they don't like the sand as much and so i don't know i mean every year they're a year older when we go right so maybe once we get there they'll be a little bit different but they said so far they just want to be by the pool when i was their age i was a big ocean guy i like yeah, the sand too. i like playing in the waves but now that i've gone older i'm a big pool guy yeah like I'm sorry, but I don't want to get dirty. I'm okay. I'm okay <laughs> being by the pool. Like I'd rather not have everything full of sand and the mess. But I'll do whatever they want to do because 
That's what I live for. Hey, you got to be a good daughter. See, if I had kids, I'd probably just hire one of the resort babysitters. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't surprise me that you say that. You know, I'd be at the adults only pool sipping cocktails. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to happen for me. Matt, what about, um, so your summer vacation plans, what are those? What yeah, are they looking so, like? so we're going on a pretty big trip this year. I think it's going to be almost 10 days, but I am going to Switzerland and then to Paris, France. So in Switzerland, what we're going to do is fly into Zurich and we're going to use the Swiss rail system and essentially travel by train across the country, stopping in two or three different cities. And then after that, we're going to rent a car and drive to Beaujolais, which is in France. It's a big wine region and drink some red wine. And then we're going to take the train from Lyon, which is the closest city to Beaujolais to Paris and hang out in Paris for a few days. That sounds nice. That sounds like an awesome trip. And you guys already have it all mapped out? Itinerary's done? We have a lot of it mapped out. Right now we're on the restaurant phase where we're trying to pick exactly where we're going to eat. We're also taking French lessons right now. Can you say something for us in French? Too much pressure right now. (laughs) That is something you would do, though. (laughs) Well, you need to learn how to kind of speak the language a little bit. And the French... They're not as open to English speaking as other European countries are. Sure. And we want to be as polite as possible. That's good. Very nice. And you and your wife love Europe. How many times? I know you've been a few times at least. Yeah, this is, I think, going to be our fourth time going, but it's going to be our first time going by ourselves. Mm. So we've been lucky enough and that we're my parents are able to still travel with us, so they've taken us three times. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Are you kind of nervous or excited? No, I'm ready to go. Okay. I'm excited. That, yeah. that it's your first time just alone with your wife traveling to Europe? No, yeah, honestly, I love my parents, but, um, you know, they're on a, a different vacation path than I'm on. They're more into the tours, and I'm kind of more into walking and a little faster paced vacation. So, wine. Yeah, wine. <laughs> so, is there a. Am I going to see you in between vacations? Uh, you know, we might cross paths for a few days, but maybe we won't talk to each other. Okay. So it'll be on like a three weeks, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be nice. Nice break. <laughs> oh, man, the fort. There you go. You yeah. guys en- enjoy your vacations. Yeah. So, uh, Josh, where are you going? I just took my um, my honeymoon. I went to Cabo San Lucas, and that was an awesome time. I love going down to Cabo. This is our, you know, we've been there a few times and just eating shrimp tacos and you know, having a margarita by the pool is what me and my, my new wife love to do. So we had a, a few days down there to enjoy that. And uh, just wanted to share one of the really cool places that we went to. Um, we went to this place called Flora Farms in Cabo. It's actually in Los Cabos. And it's a organic farm that has livestock. And it also has fruits and vegetables. And everything that the restaurant serves is from grown on the actual farm. They even brew their own beer from like the ingredients from the farm. And just a really, really cool spot. So if you're ever in Los Cabos or Cabo San Lucas, check out Flora Farms. They had a great time there. They even have shops and they do tours of the whole farm. So that's what I did just a few weeks ago. That was my uh, summer vacation. That's neat. Yeah, that's really cool. Do you have any other trips planned or anything else this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew you were going to ask me that. So me and my wife are also going to travel to Europe for the first time, but that's not till uh, October. So I know it's on my summer vacation, but we're going to Europe for the first time and we're going to 
try to see a Manchester United soccer match, my favorite team, and then hop on over to Spain and see a few um, cities in Spain. So we're in the process of planning all of that out and really excited to uh, go to Europe for the first time. So I might have to sit down with you a little bit more and get some more tips since you're a little bit more seasoned than I am. That's exciting because you get everyone here gets a nice break, and I think that's so important with that work-life balance. Yeah, it is, and it's, it's one of the things that I think planning out these trips, whether it's, you know, if you're blessed to do it once a year, twice a year, three times a year, but it really helps you keep refreshed. And it's one of those things where if you're going on your dream retirement trips while you're still working, that makes a lot of sense, right? doesn't make a lot of sense to take that big trip the day you retire. Take it, take it while you're working and you have income. Yeah. I struggled with taking vacations for a long time, just not, not wanting to take the time away from work. But you know, as I got a little bit older, it's such an important part of life. It is. And look how happy you are. Yeah. And it's unique that I think that we, we all value. That's something that we really value and, and put you know, time and resources into is planning these vacations. Sure. Um, and it, it means a lot to all three of us. It's kind of fun to share yep. our vacations and stories together because yep. we know it all. Yeah, and we budget for them all year. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we talk about that. Right. <laughs> about how we're budgeting for our, our vacation for, sure. for the year. Uh, anything else left? No, I think we're good today. No. Good podcast. Good show, Matthew. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Great show, boys. Let's close it. Thank you for joining us today on the Retirement Plan Playbook. If you're enjoying the show, please rate it and leave a review on the Apple Podcast page. And for more information about the podcast, including the show notes, please go to rpawealth.com and click on the podcast tab. Thank you and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, guys. RPA Wealth Management is a state-registered investment advisor located in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. RPA Wealth Management may only transact business in those states and jurisdictions in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. A copy of RPA Wealth Management's current disclosure statement, Form ADV Part 1, containing RPA Wealth Management's business operations, services, and fees is available by accessing the SEC's Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. RPA Wealth Management will provide Form ADV Part 2A from Brochure and 2B Brochure Supplement to interested parties upon request. Information provided on this podcast should not be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to acquire or dispose of any investment or engage in any other transaction. RPA Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personal investment advice or financial planning advice through its podcasts. RPA Wealth Management podcasts are intended for information and educational purposes only.